Uh, this morning we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about hope. We're going to embrace that uh, the, the the Advent season, uh, this candle of hope, and say, well, what is this that we are called to? What is this that we are actually uh, grabbing a hold of, if you will? We're going to do this in uh, Romans chapter 15. So if you'd like to, you can turn with me uh, there at that uh, now. This is Paul writing to a, a church that didn't, uh, didn't have a lot of answers um, at the time. It didn't have, they had a lot of questions, uh, and he's giving them quite a few answers. And at the end of the day, the answer that he needs them to, to grab a hold of uh, most readily is Jesus is uh, the Son of God, and God has resurrected him uh, as uh, proof of his being Messiah, Savior for the world. Uh, savior for all, Jew or Greek alike, and this church is one that uh, that needed to find itself a sense of unity and camaraderie, where people coming from different backgrounds, people coming from different expectations of what it looked like to be spiritual, of what it looked like to practice uh, a faith, uh, a great a Greek people who. Uh, or a Roman people, a Greek and Roman people who uh, were been, had been informed by a lot of different mythologies and pagan ideologies, and uh, the Jewish people who had been informed by a rich uh, a heritage and culture of faith that stretched back thousands of years to a God's call to Abraham to say, uh, through you I want to bless the whole world, and through your descendants I'm going to bring salvation. And these people had no way of knowing what it looked like to follow Jesus together based on their different expectations of what it looked like to be a person of faith. Um, Paul writes with a deep concern to say that if you're going to actually present a faith and a gospel and live out a light to a, a broken and dark world around you, it's going to be because you do that together. It's going to be because you as a church do that hand in hand and in a sense of, uh, of unity and a sense of oneness, being called by one Lord, baptized in one baptism, having one faith. So uh, we see that concern come out here and Paul's hope for the church is that their unity would demonstrate God's love in them and through them so the world could receive it uh, because it desperately needs it. So uh, just, we're going to follow, follow along with me here. We're going to start in verse 1, and we're just going to be uh, the first 13 ch verses or so. Romans 15, Paul writes, he says, Now those who are mature in their faith can easily be recognized, for they don't live to please themselves, but have learned to patiently embrace others in their immaturity. Our goal must be to empower others to do what is right and good for them and to bring them into spiritual maturity. For not even the most powerful one of all, the anointed one, lived to please himself. His life fulfilled the scripture that says, all the insults of those who insulted you fall upon me. Whatever was written beforehand is meant to instruct us in how to live. The scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so that we can live in hope and endure all things. Now may God, the source of great endurance and comfort, 
grace you with unity among yourselves, which flows from your relationship with Jesus, the anointed one. Then, with a unanimous rush of passion, you will be one, you will with one voice glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will bring God glory when you accept and welcome one another as partners, just as the anointed one has fully accepted you and received you as his partner. I am convinced that Jesus, the Messiah, was sent as a servant to the Jewish people to fulfill the promises God made to our ancestors and to prove God's faithfulness. And now, because of Jesus, the non-Jewish people of the world can glorify God for his kindness to them, fulfilling the prophecy of Scripture. Because of this, I will proclaim you among the nations, and they will hear me sing praises to your name. And in another place it says, You who are not Jewish, celebrate life right alongside his Jewish people. And again, praise the Lord Yahweh, all who are not Jews, and let all the people of the earth raise their voices in praises to him. And Isaiah prophesied, an heir to David's throne will emerge, and he will rise up as ruler over all the non-Jewish nations, for all their hopes will be met in him. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. as we try to think through and look at and reflect on the nature of hope, this one thing that just struck me and strikes me even yet this morning, because I don't know about you, um, it was a big week. I don't know if you had a big week. Holidays are, 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 there's an interesting thing about them. It's an interesting dynamic. We end up looking forward to them. We have so much that we do, and we celebrate, and we put all our might, and we just have and enjoy them. But do they leave you tired? Maybe that just means I'm getting old. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All of a sudden, did you find yourself at some point Thursday afternoon or some point Friday afternoon hoping for a nap? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> the funny thing about hope is that what it does is it highlights to us a need. It highlights something we don't have. It highlights if I dare say it highlights our weakness. It says that here is something that you can't make happen or you have to wait for. Here's something, there's something about hope that makes us feel simultaneously fulfilled but weak at the same time. And in our weakness is where we find God's grace, isn't it? See, Strong people don't hope for too much. Strong people plan. Strong people plan to accomplish things. They use abilities and talents and they have resources and they make plans. Strong people make plans. Well-endowed people make plans. Capable people make plans. Weak people put hope. Weak people end up hoping. There's lots of ways that we can say, well, some of us are weak and some of us are strong, but when it comes to our humanity, when it comes to the issue of the things that we actually cannot change, 
say our need for salvation, our need for a savior, our need for transformation out of people who uh, look through lenses of self and are trying to grow in love, love for God and love for neighbor. Can we do that on our own or are we weak? Do we plan to become more loving people or are we praying and asking God and hoping in God to transform us towards more loving people, towards people who love him more deeply and people who love one another more actively? It's our weakness that's going to lead us to hope. And the more that we have a sense of hope, the more I hope that we can embrace our weakness. See, hope brings attention to our deficiency. Before we can hope, we have to recognize our weakness. We are so small, but care in such big ways. Rightly placed hope celebrates God's love for and in His people. If you'd like to follow along with the uh, outline or our um, filling in the blanks, that's kind of where we're going to be with, uh, with uh, slide one there. Now, that can make us feel small, but it is the smallness. It's our smallness that leads us to hope. I don't know any other way to say it. When God asks His people to put their hope in Him, it's because He's the strong one. It's because He knows we have needs. We are the needy ones. We are the weak. And we are the ones who need Him to be Him and we are going to stay us. It's when we try to start taking his place, where when we start try to start doing things that only he can do, we start usurping his role and we start pretending that we don't need him anymore and we're not weak. But we are. We are. Another funny thing that I, I learned about hope that I'm just reflecting on and embracing about hope here this morning Hope to me, I think if we see this in Scripture too, hope is this really specific. If you just wake up in the morning and you say, well, I hope it's a nice day today. What you're really doing, what we're really doing is wishing. I wish for a, a nice day. I wish for sunshine outside. I'm, I have wishful thinking. But hope... Hope there's something concrete. Hope means that there's an expectation with some kind of specifics. Uh, as we just read this morning, um, Paul was writing to the Corinthians, and he, and he shares about the hope that they were able to look forward to being fulfilled in Christ. Why? Because they had been expecting Him. They had been looking forward to Him. They'd been waiting for him. They knew what to look for, how to recognize him. There was a specific thing about this. So let me put it this way. <clears throat> Think back to your Thanksgiving dinner. Can you? Do you still even maybe feeling your Thanksgiving dinner a little bit? If I were to tell you, I'm hoping for, I hope at our Thanksgiving dinner, I hope that there's a pumpkin custard pie. Did you think, I know what pumpkin custard pie is like, and I, that would be something to look forward to. I can hope for that too. Had any of you ever heard of a pumpkin custard pie before? If you knew what pumpkin custard pie is, can you raise your hand? Not many in here. 
Ah, see, I had never actually heard of pumpkin custard pie. We celebrated Thanksgiving with some family members. And one of them said, well, we're going to bring pumpkin custard pie. Until that point in time, I had never hoped for a pumpkin custard pie before. Do you understand? Until someone told me that there is such a thing as pumpkin custard pie, I could not hope for it. It's in that specific, it's in the specific of knowing that there is something out there called pumpkin custard pie that people know how to make and it's meant to be enjoyed. Now, I am very interested in that pumpkin custard pie and I'm hoping to experience it. Until someone told me, I had never hoped for it before. That is how the scripture is promising and talking about Jesus. Over and over again, what we have is a God who loves people, a a God who loves the world and is preparing to send his son into it to show them and demonstrate his love for it. And all along the way, he keeps reminding people and telling them what to look for so they knew how to hope. So they knew how to hope for his revelation, how to hope for his redemption, how to hope for his salvation, what to look forward to, what to expect, and how. If there had been no prophecy, if there had been nothing said about Christ and he just showed up, no hope would have been fulfilled because no one would have been hoping. No one would have been told how. Christmas is an incredible gift to us because it is, the, it is the reminder that God keeps his promises, that he is the God who inspires hope and then fulfills it. He's not the one who says, I've got a good thing that I want to give you, but I'm not going to tell you what it is so that you don't know how to hope for it. I'm actually going to tell you exactly what it is. Look for it. Expect it. Long for it. Celebrate its coming. Don't take your eyes off. Sadly, the church today, we're not often as hope-filled when it comes to what we have been told to expect of the future. We have good thoughts. We desire to see good things, and we, are, and we have a general hopefulness, but do we have a specific kind of hope in the victory of Christ? Do we have a specific kind of hope in His return with authority and salvation and redemption for the world? Or do we have a general kind of, I hope I'm there? See, hope has this funny way of creating both within us both longing and joy. (laughs) Of saying, oh, it's it's here, but it's not. I know what it's like, but I don't have it in my hand. Describe to me that pumpkin custard pie again so I know exactly what I'm looking forward to. And then when it's on the plate right in front of me, I go, oh, you are so right. Food is the way. Food is the way. All the time. Food is always the way. Are we describing 
Jesus, salvation, the gospel, Christmas, do we describe it with that kind of enthusiasm, with that kind of color, with that kind of You just have to know what this is like. You just have to know what it's like to be reconnected, redeemed, restored. You just have to know what it's like to be brought back into God's family. You just have to know what it's like to feel that loved. If we don't, then how are we giving anybody anything to hope for? The hope is necessarily specific. General hope is just wishful thinking. Our hope, this Christmas hope, our, our Christian hope, this hope that Paul writes about with so much enthusiasm when he wants it to overflow out of us like a fountain because it comes directly from God himself. It's not wagering. See, another thing that sometimes we get mistaken for with hope is we go, you, you, you think, well, I hope the odds are in our favor. Or I hope that this circumstance lands the way that I would like it to. I hope my team wins. See the difference? When we hope in, in circumstances falling in our favor, we're actually gambling. Let me put it this way. If I were someone, hypothetically, if I were someone who were to say, if I smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, let's say I smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, and you were to say, that's really not a, a, a good health decision. That's a decision that can really tear up your body and that can, that can, have, that can wreak havoc on your physical on your physical health. That's not, a, that's not a good idea for you as someone who wants to ha be healthy. And I say, well, I hope I don't get cancer. Is that, a, is that a reasonable hope? Is that a rational hope? Is that a, we'd call that gambling. We'd say, well, we're, we're actively doing something risky, hoping that the odds of the risk land, in my, land towards my favor, lands in a favorable outcome to me. When we trust in Jesus to know what's good and to have wisdom beyond our perspective, we're hoping biblically. See, biblical hope is tied into a relationship with God, keeping His Word and being who He says He is. That biblical hope says, God, what have you said about this and how do I, how do I hope for that? How do I put my trust and say, I believe, I hope for this to happen, for this to occur because you said so. So for centuries, for millennia, there were people saying, we are hoping for Messiah. We're hoping for salvation. We're hoping for liberation. We're hoping for redemption. We're hoping that God hears us, that God sees us, that God saves us. And that hope wasn't put just up into the sky. It was a hope in response to what God said was going to happen. He said, I will redeem you, I will restore you, I will save you, I will crush the snake's head, I will save you from your sin, I will. And so hope becomes something that we're responding to God's Word. 
I feel so much better hoping in God's Word than I do hoping in my best ideas. Do you? If we're going to be people who are going to live an Advent hope, a hopeful expectation, an expectant hope, a pregnant kind of hope, it's going to be because we know the Word. It's going to be because we know the Word of God. It's going to be because we know what He says about life and the future and the past and everything. Otherwise, what we do is we can just say, I'm going to put up all these worldviews on the wall and I'm going to throw a dart and I'm going to hope that I hit truth. The entire nation of Israel out of which Jesus is raised, out of which Jesus comes as a gift to the world, that entire nation is born out of one man believing that God could do something that didn't make any sense. That entire nation is born out of one man's, what Scripture says in, uh, actually in this very letter, what Paul writes to the Romans, he says, when Abraham hoped against hope that God could raise the dead and bring a child out of his 90-year-old body. It's a nation that's been born out of hope. It's a kingdom that is the fulfillment of all hope for all time. If our hope, if our hope is not concrete, if it's generalized, it can be stolen. different information, a different perspective, a different take can steal the hope that is too general. We have specific hope because we have a specific salvation, a specific Savior who demonstrates the love of a specific Father who has invited us to know Him in a specific way. See, the opposite, uh, see, I I, ought to put it this way. Some people put hope in horoscopes. Some people put some hope in the idea that that, uh, uh, the stars, the way that the stars are moving or planets are moving can somehow affect the way that their life is going to be. And those people who write out uh, a horoscope's, you know, the, the plans for the day, know that the best way to achieve confidence in those is to be as vague and general as possible. Fortune cookies, as vague as you can make it, means that you can supply your own definitions. We don't serve a vague and general God who gives a vague and general hope. We have been invited to a specific promise to see it specifically demonstrated in this specific time at a specific place in a specific town. The more specific it gets, 
the more that hope, the more precise that hope is. To the point that there became dozens, over four dozen, depending on whose count you're going to go by, dozens of prophecies of hope for the Messiah, of hope for when and where and how and what he would look like and what he would do and how he would do it. Dozens of prophecies. By the time Jesus arrived, by the time Jesus was born, author Lee Strobel, I think it is, uh, did some math, and he, he says, based on his calculations, uh, the odds of one person fulfilling eight out of the dozens of prophecies made about Messiah, the odds of one person fulfilling just eight of those is one in 100 million. That's a very specific hope. Those are odds where you put, I mean, those are big odds for a very specific hope. And yet, if you're in the room now, and I think if we were to have a conversation, I think we would agree. Our Christian hope, the hope that has born out of a relationship with Christ, it results from an infusion of relational peace and joy with the living God. Not reasoned out probability and statistics. See, I could tell just saying that this morning that, hey, the odds of Jesus fulfilling eight out of the dozens of prophecies about Messiah was about one in a hundred million, and most of you went, wow, I didn't know that. And you believed anyway. You've already put your hope in him anyway, even before knowing that the odds were extraordinary. Because that hope comes out of a relationship, out of a confidence in an encounter, out of a confidence in a person, not in probability. Christian hope cares only what God has said about the matter, because he is the strong one who can and will do as he says. So hope is for the weak. What we will never find in Scripture is the words, God hoped. Man hopes. Humanity hopes. We hope. Because we hope in God. There is so much uncertainty in our lives right now. There is, there is so many of us who are, and I've seen the meme here recently, it made me laugh, the idea that on 12, you know, so when we get to New Year's Eve this year, we're going to see 12-32-2020 instead of January 1st. Just go, what? <laughs> How does the year keep going? So, so many of us right now, and you can hear it in the, the language and the culture around us and the society and our friends and coworkers and neighbors, we're going, I hope 2021 is different. And we're going, I don't know that it will be, because God's Word has already told us what to expect about from this earth. I know He's going to be the same. 
I know that he's going to be the same. I hope. I hope to see his faithfulness. I hope to remain faithful. I hope to recognize his grace. I hope to receive and discover, perceive more of his love. Because I'm not hoping for things changing in the world because the clock turned to a different decade. I'm hoping in him. And the Christian hope is as specific as it gets and as sure as it gets. But only if we're going to talk about it. <laughs> because nobody knows what pumpkin custard pie is like until you tell them that there is such a thing. I'd like to read that last verse from this chapter once again. I invite you to simply close your eyes and let, let Paul's exhortation be meant for you as well. When he says, now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope.